in uh, chapter number one, uh, Solomon is talking about vanity of vanities, and he talked about everything that God had given him, and the things that God gave him, he misused them. Uh, God made him the, mo the smartest man, and uh, but there's some things he did that you would even wonder if he was as smart as he uh, should have been. And at the end of his life, oh, and uh, he says that in uh, chapter number one, uh, he said, now the words of the, Peter, uh, of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. He talks about vanity of vanity. He says the preacher, vanity and vanities, all is vanity. And so he goes on to talk about his life and how that actually he had thrown away a lot of his life. He had the best of everything. Uh, during the, the reign of Solomon, there, there was no war in the nation of Israel. And God blessed him. And if you would notice how, and of course, he built the temple uh, that God would call, call his place. And a lot of the things that uh, Solomon did was good things. And I've often said it's not how you start, it's how you finish. A lot of people start off with a bang, but they don't finish well. And, uh, but I just want to give you some thoughts tonight on, uh, I usually don't put a, a caption to what I'm going to be preaching on, but the strength in numbers. Uh, I had a person one time tell me that, you know, numbers is not important. Well, if it wasn't important, God wouldn't have written a whole book of numbers. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so there is, there is something about numbers. And uh, if you look at chapter number four, and we're going to begin reading in verse number nine and read all the way down to verse number 12. The Bible said two are better than one because they have a good reward for the labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and three, a three-cord is not quickly broken. Three-fold cord. And so he talks about here several things, and if you're writing this down, and taking notes, and just go with number one. Number one, we see that uh, he talks about here in numbers, it's for the work. You know, uh, a lot of times people think that we're in a church, there's just a few people that really should be working, uh, like the pastor, and uh, maybe if we had deacons, and, and uh, you know, uh, people that have something to do in the church, but it's not, that's far from the truth. We all need to get busy for God. And in verse number nine, notice what it says. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for the labor. You know, it's hard sometimes when, especially around a church, and maybe we call a work day and only one person shows up. That's discouraging. I remember years ago when I bought a fourth in our church, and, and when I, the first church I pastored, and I said, listen, we're going to have visitation or soul winning on Thursday night. Well, I went out there to, and I thought surely somebody else would come. But when I, when time to, to leave to go out and start going soul winning, no one showed up. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I got a little bit in the flesh. I said, well, if they're not interested in watching the church grow and seeing people saved, I, I'm, I'm going home too. And I started down the road, and just about the time I started on 522 to, uh, to go home, the Lord said, listen, you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for me. 
So I continued on down Route 3, and uh, there was a family that lived down just out at the end of the road here, and, uh, and uh, Gibson family. I went out there that night, and uh, of course I worked with Kyle and, uh, at uh, Seaboard Milling Company, and um, I got to talking with Kyle, never had witness to him there at the, at the, on the work uh, site, so I began to talk with him. Well, that night, Kyle got saved, his wife got saved, his two boys got saved, his daughter got saved. And I thought after that, you know, if I hadn't went, if I hadn't went out there that night, uh, they probably would have never gotten saved. But after that, I had the opportunity to lead most of his family to the Lord, his brother Kenny, who died later on of cancer. And I thought, now, if I hadn't went out there, Kenny would have probably died without Christ and he went to hell. And you know what? We need to understand some things. It, but it would have been better if two would have went out because Jesus, when he sent the 70 out, he sent them by two. There's a reason for that. The reason being for that, when you go out on soul wedding, you might get into a situation where you shouldn't be alone, say, with a lady. Maybe the, I, I went out before and, and knocked on the door, and a lady answered the door, and, and I didn't have anybody with me, so I don't go in when that happens because there's a lot of things could be said uh, that would be not right. And, and, I, and I, of course, I don't pick up. I know if I was going down the road and I'd see you broke down on the side of the road, I don't put you in my car because uh, right away somebody's going to see and they're going to say that we're messing around with one another. So that's not something we do. But here's what I'm saying. The Bible said here two are better than one because they have a good reward for the labor. And, and so Jesus called the 70. And look, if you were to Luke chapter number 10, he talks about this. Notice how what Jesus said about soul winning. That's what the 70 was going out to do to win folks to the Lord. Luke chapter number 10, verse number 1. It says, Now after these things the Lord appointed other 70 also. Now the other 70 he's talking about was not of the 12 disciples that he had. There were 70 more. And uh, the Bible said, And sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would, would come. So he sent out here uh, two by two, it's only a, a lady there, just, just say, listen, I'll come back sometime a little later. I'd like to talk with your husband too. And that's the best use people like us to do the work for him. And uh, you see, we're the only eyes that he has, the only hands and feet and legs that he has. And so, but God here, he talks about uh, a great reward for the labor. You see, the Bible teaches us too that if we give as much as a, a cup of water and a, and, a, and a prophet's name, we receive a reward. And so he talks about here that two are better for the work. And, uh, and so he goes on to talk about here the church find, uh, the best thing to do is find somebody else that you are compatible with, not necessarily picking out just, but just some folks that you get along together with and say, well, hey, how about coming up and help me because you can work together. And, and so we see that the, the church here, we need folks that's willing to work. The Bible says in the book of Nehemiah that Nehemiah built the, the wall because they had a mind to work. And so anything we do for God, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be work. Uh, for instance, prayer is work. It really is. If you are truly praying and you're getting in touch with God, it, it's work. It'll take some of the time out of your life. Reading the Bible, you see the devil's going to try to keep you out of the Word of God. He's going to try to keep you from praying. 
And so, but we have to understand, listen, uh, nobody wants to work alone, especially uh, those who don't uh, have to. And it should be that, listen, when, when we ask for folks, listen, how many here wants to come Saturday and help us in, to do something? We should have people almost standing in line ready to do that. And uh, so we see here, he talks about at work is much more productive when you have numbers doing it. And I do appreciate folks in, the, in, in, in this church that uh, they've taken on jobs that, uh, that they've never did before. And uh, by the way, they're doing great work. And uh, so some of the young people now starting to teach in the, in the classes and, and uh, they wasn't doing that before. So now, but they're going to be the next generation. So, but it's good to have somebody that you can work with. And so he talks about here the, uh, the strength in numbers for the work. He says two are better than one. And I've given this illustration before. This pulpit, I had this pulpit handmade and, and, it's, and it's heavy. It really is. It's oak and it's heavy. Now, if I'd ask, maybe I'd ask uh, Randy to come up and I'd say, Randy, how about picking this thing up? Don't drag it. Pick it up and take it to the back of the room. Now, I, I don't know if Randy could do it or not. I, I know I couldn't do it. I mean, that's just the bottom line. But, uh, but let's suppose I say, well, Randy, how about you? Yeah, how about you and Randy? Our right, Randy, you come up here and move this pulpit. You could probably do it. So that's what I'm saying. You see, in, in, in the church, there's people that needs to be willing to help. And, and anything you do for God, there is a reward in it. And uh, not only in this life, but in the life to come. It's rewarding just to be able to see things happening in the church. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration. As you look around this room, it looks like it was hand-built, didn't it? I mean, it looks like it was... But if you could have seen this before James got in here and started all this work, and all that was like um, paper, wasn't it, stuck to the wall. You see how it looks now? It doesn't look like it was paper, does it? It looks like it was sheetrock. Did a wonderful job. And then Danny came and helped him put down the trim and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, listen, James, sometimes he, he would rather just stay out of his way, but, uh, but, but uh, it was a time when, you know, some things that uh, is happening here and, and uh, Randy back there laid that floor back there. And uh, of course him and I think Darlene showed him how he just did it. But anyway, he was back there and he was laid that floor back there. And, and I'm just saying everything has to work together. And that's the way the ministry is. It's not, it's not a one man show. It's the work of the ministry. Two are better than one. Then the next one, number two, it's two, uh, the, the number strength in numbers for the walk. Notice if you would verse number 10. Now, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not, he hath not another to help him up. You remember the commercial? I've fallen and I can't get up. You remember that one? Well, let me say this. It talks about for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. Uh, that's why I need to start wearing suspenders. Because if one leg lets loose, the other one will hold my pants up. And, uh, but let me say this. Uh, that's, that's, that was a joke I heard one time. But uh, we see here what happens when you're by yourself. If you've ever watched that commercial, the lady's laying on the floor and, you know, now it's gotten dark and she's laid there several days. Well, you know, if something like that would happen, if we fall physically and there's no one to help us up, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. 
But you see, he talks about here that, that he will lift up his fellow. And there's a lot of folks that come to church and we don't know what's going on in their heart. We really don't. We don't know what another person is going through. I, I remember years ago when I was in Bible school, the piano player for, at the church there in, at, in Lynchburg, uh, she was having some, uh, some, some problems and she was, uh, she was discouraged and, and, and she got to the place where she wanted to talk to uh, Jerry Falwell and, and he was going to talk to her. Jerry Falwell was, was a good man, he really was. But he, at this particular time, she went up to the front of the uh, church there and said, I'd like to talk to you, preacher. He said, can you, can you wait? He said, I, I've got all day tomorrow. I can talk to you. Would that be okay? She said, yes. But what happened during that night, she killed herself. And Jerry Falwell stood up in front of the church, and, I mean, he was just tore all to pieces. He said, you know what? I should have just, I just should have, Forgot about what I had to do because it wasn't, it wasn't life, life uh, threatening. So now our piano, now piano player has killed herself. And you know what? We have to understand some things here. We're going to have problems when people come to church. They, they, a lot of people are hurting. Uh, we, uh, all around us, there's people hurting. When you hear of a 13-year-old boy that commits suicide, there's something wrong there. The number one killer now of teenagers, you would think would be car wrecks, but it's not. It's suicide. They get to a place, a person that will commit suicide, they get to a place where they think there's no way out. There's no hope. I mean, I've tried everything, and there's just no hope. But let me say this. If we're walking together, we need to be sensitive to the needs of other people. And I've said that so many, uh, so many times before. We've had people that maybe that has gotten out of the will of God and, and, and God will bring chastisement to his children when they get out of his will. And we don't know who's going through chastisement and who's not. That's not our job. Uh, the Bible says that we're not to judge another man's servant. We're not to judge our brothers and sisters. But if we see something, we see some characteristics that we may be familiar with, we ought to be sensitive to those people's needs. Notice, if you would, in the book of Galatians, chapter number 6. Galatians, chapter number 6. He's talking here about the brethren. He's talking about those that have stumbled. And a lot of folks, the first thing they will do is they will quit church. That's the worst thing they could do. That's like having a broken leg and not going to the hospital to get it set. But a lot of that's the, way, the first thing that people will usually do when they're going through some kind of a crisis or some kind of a, a situation they can't get a grip on. The first thing they will do as a Christian, they will leave the church. And, but notice what Galatians chapter 6 says, verse number 1. Brethren, talking to the believer, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest thou also be tempted. Now, the, some of the biggest uh, independent Baptist Pharisees are people that look at other people and they wonder why they're not, uh, not uh, uh, doing more for the Lord. And, and, and I wonder sometimes myself about that. But I'm just saying, uh, we're not to be going around trying to fault with, find fault with each other. If people have fallen, we need to be there to help them up. 
And a lot of times, I, I don't know about you, I, I've gone to church before and, and I felt worse after I left than I did when I went because of browbeating and people looking around at people and you, they see them whispering, that sort of thing. And, and of course, the first thing you're going to think, well, they're talking about me. But here's the, what the Bible said. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, underline the word spiritual, because a carnal man cannot help anyone. Because a carnal man is a selfish man or a woman, and they're not thinking about other people, they're thinking about themselves. What is this going to, how is this going to affect me if I help that individual? How much is it going to cost me if I help this individual? So he makes it very plain who is to be the one that lifts them up. He said, now ye which are spiritual, restore. The word restore, if you underline that in your Bible and put it out in your margin. The word restore in the Greek means to set like a broken bone. Set like a broken bone. Restore them. Get them back to where they are be useful for the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help them along. Help them to understand that, listen, you're not the only one that's ever fallen before. You're not the only, there's a commercial out, and you say, you're watching too many commercials. I really don't like commercials. But anyway, this one I do, the man backed into, you remember the commercial about, uh, uh, what's that insurance company uh, where the woman wears the apron? Progressive, yeah. This man had backed into a, uh, a basketball thing. This fellow over on his car. And, and boy, he just said, man, this is the stupidest thing I've ever did. But he's got people standing around and said, hey, we know what you've done. We've made mistakes before too. And see, that's what's so good about, that's what's so good about our, uh, our testimony time. When a person stands up and says, listen, I, I, had, I had a problem with something. I had a, I had a habit and and I prayed about it, and God gave me the victory over this thing. You know what? Or you have somebody stand up and say, you know, I thought I was saved. I thought I knew for 100% sure I was saved. And I've seen this happen around, especially teenagers. And a teenager would say, I, I, I thought I was saved, but I wasn't. You know what's going to happen? There's going to be another teenager somewhere sitting around there that has had doubt about their salvation, or maybe they're not saved either. And what's, it's going to encourage them to get saved. That's what testimony is all about. But notice what else he said here in verse number two. He said, now, uh, he said, now you do this. He said, restore. And, uh, and a spirit of meekness, don't go there and say, you know, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. And you're a sorry Christian if you're doing this. Go there in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest also thou be tempted. You know what? When, when somebody comes to our rescue, when we're having a problem, we're thankful, aren't we? Listen, we ought to understand that, listen, somebody was, was sympathetic with us. We ought to be sympathetic with others. That's what he's talking about there. Verse number two. It says, Now bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Notice that. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, when Jesus said this, he said, listen, he said, when your brother, he said, your neighbor, you remember? He said, the, the, the lawyer there asked Jesus, said, now what's the two greatest commandments? He said, to love the Lord thy, uh, Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength and all thy might, and also to love thy brother. And so that's, that's a law of God here. And so Galatians chapter number six and, and verses one and two, it's talking about that. To think about your neighbor. 
You see, a lot of times people live around their neighbors and they may get together for cookouts and they may become best friends, maybe they're hunting, uh, hunting buddies, but they never tell them about Christ. You know, that's going to be sad one day when we stand uh, with the Lord there at the great white throne judgment in the book of the Revelation. Now, we're going to stand with him because the Bible said in John chapter 14, verses 1, he, said, uh, he tells us that, that listen, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again receiving to myself that where I am, there you may be also. The one that's going to sit on the throne there in the book of the Revelation, judging those that are unsaved, is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible said all judgment is given to the Son. And so what happens where he is, that's where we're going to be. Now, can you imagine, and I, and I, I don't I have no verses to, to back on, I'm just saying what I believe. I believe in the, in the throng of people that's going to be there at that great white throne judgment. It's going to be us. And I believe when they come up before the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and he's going to ask the question, is the name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And as they scroll down the page, no, sir, their name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I believe out of the crowd, they're going to be able to look at us. And they're going to say, well, you never told me. You say, well, why do you believe that? Well, read the next chapter. The Bible said, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. If heaven is such a wonderful place, why will there be tears in the eyes of the believer? Because we have just witnessed someone that we've known Maybe a loved one, a, a brother, a sister, or a relative somewhere, or, or somebody that we called our best friend, and we just watched them being cast into the lake of fire. That would bring tears. And I believe God will have to remove them from our minds because there are some folks that has children that's not saved. They try to witness to them. They're not interested. And so God will have to wipe those individuals from our mind because he said the former things will pass away. Because we wouldn't enjoy heaven if we knew one of our children were in hell. But we see here, he talks about here, bear you one another's burdens and so, so fulfill the law of Christ. See, people of God need, need each other. We need each other. And, and that's why I love church. You say, well, the reason you love church is because you're the pastor here. No, I loved church for a long time before I became a pastor. I mean, that's the first thing that I began to love after I got saved. Love the souls of men, and I love church. I couldn't get enough of it. And so we see here, uh, when people are, are, are terribly mistaken when they try to uh, isolate themselves from, from church. From church. There's folks that, that has used to come to this church, and I, I'm not picking on nobody, okay? I'm just saying. But you can look around. There was a time when most of the, uh, most of the time on Sunday, this place was pretty packed. I remember the first service we had here in this building. We had uh, over 100 people, didn't we, James, in this, in this uh, church. Now you say, where would you put them? Well, I don't know, but they was here somewhere. We put out chairs and things. But, so where are they at now? You know, people's come to the church here. They, they, they've uh, made professions of faith, and, and uh, they follow the Lord in baptism. Where are they at? Hmm? Somebody asked me. I said, I don't know where they're at. I, I doubt if the Jehovah Witnesses could find them. But I'm just saying, you know, uh, we have to understand something here. We, we, we don't, our job is to, is to work because the day is coming. The Bible said the night is coming when man can work no more. We need to get busy. We need to get into the work. 
And then we notice, if you would, the warning. I mean, the warming. I'm sorry, in verse 11, number 11. It says, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so now he's talking about here the, 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 the ability to stay on fire for God. And I've often said this, and I think I said this in the beginning of the service. You see, there's a lot of folks that will get excited in the beginning. Um, you know, they, they, they have loved ones that needs to be saved. And when churches first start, and uh, this is the second church that we started out uh, in, just in someone's home. Uh, the first church, uh, the second church that I pastored, um, yeah, we started out that church in my daughter's living room. We just had a handful of people there. But you know what? Over 17 years, we had that church building was pretty well uh, filled up, not packed, but filled up. Had a Christian school. But all those things are just fall, falling apart now. They no longer exist. What happened? Let me tell you what happened. People got cold. The first thing will get cold. How many of you fellows ever go deer hunting? You go deer hunting, Randy? You, James? What's the first thing will get cold when you out there on the deer stand? Exactly. You know what gets cold in a Christian when he quits serving God? His feet. He quits going. The only, the only way that God's going to build a church is through soul winning. There is no other way. That's not going to happen. It's through going out there and knocking on doors. That's why Jesus said that we're to go into the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, baptizing them and, and teach them to observe whatsoever I've taught you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Acts chapter number 1, verse 8, And ye shall receive power at the Holy Ghost come upon you. You're going to be witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. The only way that God ever builds a church is through soul winning. And any time a church quits soul winning, now, I know we're under some situations right now where it would be difficult to do that. Most people is not going to let a stranger in their house because of the COVID thing. I understand that. But listen, we, we, we're going to have to get out there and start knocking on doors and trying to get to people that people maybe visit the church. They know us. Well, we should get a card and we go out and see them. And that's how God will build the church. So there's a warming. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how shall be warm, one be warm alone? The secret of staying on fire for God is hang around people that's on fire. You know when a person gets out of church, I know backsliding is not the proper terminology because you will not find that in the New Testament. It's only in the Old Testament, but backsliding is a truth. In other words, they start to slide back. When people get, get out of sorts with God or when they leave the church, they're not going to get around a spiritual individual. They're going to get around a carnal individual. And, and they're going to begin to, to, uh, to compare notes. Well, the reason I quit going to church is whatever. And then they're going to, you see, they, they begin, to, uh, get, begin to compare notes. And, and they say, well, you know what? I think we ought to look for somewhere else to go. And let me say this, and, and I'm not saying this in a hateful or mean way, and, but you know, I'm glad we have other, other fundamental churches in the area because those that gets out of sorts with God, they'll have some place to go. 
But uh, I'm just saying that, listen, the New Testament is filled, uh, filled with examples of peaches, people that experience revival together. The revival together. Turn, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter number 2. It gives us this, this illustration or this, this thing about being with people of, uh, of like persuasion. The Bible said, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? And listen, if you have some people that's disgruntled and you have other people that's not disgruntled, if you hang around a disgruntled person long enough, you're going to be get, become disgruntled yourself. You see, people that think a lot, it's people that, that's people you want to get around. People who, you know, I heard this one time saying a person who thinks a lot, uh, don't get around somebody that stinks a lot. And, and that's the thing. We can't, we can't get around people that have a stinking attitude and, and don't love the church and don't care about the church. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. And I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. There are people who, and that would like to see this church come to an end. They really would. The devil would like to see this church close. Because in this community, right in this community, I don't know of another, another independent Baptist church that preaches the truth of the word of God. Notice if you would of the book of Acts chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with, they were all with one accord in one place. Isn't that something? They were all in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as the rush of a mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it is set upon each one of them. Now the Bible said that they were all together. No one had their own agenda. They were all in one accord. Let me say this. In Acts chapter number 3, turn there if you would. You would just turn over to Acts chapter number 3. Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. Now when Peter and John went up, how? Together, into the temple of the hour of prayer, being in the ninth hour, there was no way you, he said they all went up together, and it was the ninth hour. There's no way you can get cold or backslidden on God if you're around people that's on fire for God. That's why a lot of people can go to, like we, you know, some folks, we've gone down to Georgia to that, to that camp meeting type of thing. And when you get down around people like that, it changes the way you think. I mean, those people down there, people in the north, really, they don't know how to worship God. They really don't. And, and I'm not talking about you, Lisa. I know you from up in Pennsylvania. But uh, you get around down south, and those people, they have a good time when they go to church. They really do. I mean, they get in there. You're talking about shouting. And, and, and I tell you, every now and then, want to take off running. You say, well, what's, what's, about, what's that all about? I, I don't know, but I guess if you get happy enough, just let them run. You know, and if that, if that helps them, and if God's in it, they, they'll run and won't get out of breath. There's nothing run, wrong with jumping up and clicking your heels together as long as you walk straight when you hit the ground. But let me say this. We have to, we have to understand what church is all about. Church is not about me or you. It's not about us. It's about God. And I believe God's people need to get excited about coming to church. Like I'd, I, I know Randy was a big football fan, and he was a Washington Redskins fan. He'd go down there, and those guys be dressed up in, in hog outfits and had ears on and snouts and all that kind of thing. People, you see, you know why they did that? It was because they were fans, right? 
I, I've heard them down there, Randy. I, I never went. But anyway, I, I heard them stomping on the bleachers and all that kind of stuff. The whole place was moving. But, you know, you get in church, and uh, you can't get a grunt out of nobody. You know, if you kick a hog, get a grunt. Really, it will. And you know, you know what a fan is? That's where they get the word fanatic. The word fan means the word for fanatic. And, about, you know, we need to get to, to be fanatics about the things of God. I mean, it, it, say amen sometimes. It won't hurt you, I promise. And just be part of You see, when you say amen to a preacher, it's like say, saying sick him to a bulldog. I mean, you know, sometimes I'm sitting up here and I'm wondering, are these people with me? But let me say this. There's a warning in verse number 12. And if warring, if one, if one prevail against him, Two shall withstand him, and a three-cord uh, is not easily broken. There's powers, there's power in numbers in a time of war. Now, we've been talking about going out two by two. Now, he's talking about here, he's talking about going out to war. And if I don't know if you know it or not, but we're in a war tonight. You see, when you got saved, you signed up. You got a new captain. You got a new father. For those that's lost, the Bible said you have your father the devil and his will you do. But once you get saved, then God becomes your father. That's what Jesus said to his disciples when they, when they asked him, teach us how to pray like John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray our father which art in heaven. God is our father. And, and listen, the power, there's power in numbers when it comes to war. You can't put a measurement on that. That listen, even the long ranger had Tonto, you know, and, and listen, don't try to fight alone. We need to stay in the army, stay in the house of God. Why give up, you know, and, and I've given this illustration before, but in and, and closing, I want to give you this illustration. Years ago, I had a friend and his name was Ralph Richards. Ralph has now gone on to be with the Lord. But he gave me an illustration one time that I never, it's never left my mind. He said, I, you know, when you set a, set a hen and you want to raise baby chickens, she's going to stay on there for a certain amount of time. And I don't know, was it 29 days, something like that? Randy, you ought to know how long a baby takes. 28 days. That's, I think, 28, 28. But here's what Ralph said. He said he took that hen, and it was, I think he said, it, I, I don't know, a Dominic or some, some kind of hen. And he said he set it on these eggs. And he said, that, that, that hen was faithful. Every go time you go out there, he said, I took feed out there and put it down to her because she didn't want to get off her eggs and, and water, and so she could just reach out there. And, and he said, you know, there she was. Uh, you know, five days went by, 10 days went by, 15 days went by, 20 days went by, 25 days went by. And on the 27th day, she got off the eggs and she said, you know, we didn't hatch any baby chickens. If she'd have waited one more day. You know what, folks? There's going to come a day when people feel like giving up and quitting on God if they just waited one more day. And that rapture trumpet sounds. We go home to be with the Lord. The Bible said in Second John, there'll be some that will be ashamed of themselves. Why? Because they didn't wait one more day. We should live as if Jesus had come back today. 
but work as if he's not coming back for a hundred years. Because who is going to be a rewarding day one day? And listen, it takes more than just one individual. This church is not a, about me. It's about him. It's about him. And I'm going to be honest with you, I had a hard time even starting to come back to church with using oxygen. Because I don't want people to look at me and say, well, poor preacher, he's up there, he has to have oxygen. It's not about me. It's about him. We need to keep our eyes off the things around us and put our eyes on him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. We have to understand that, listen, it's about him. Get busy for him. And one day when you stand before him, you'll hear him say, well done, that good and faithful servant. The greatest thing I think besides salvation is to be able to hear from the lips of the Lord Jesus, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done. Let's be on prayer. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you.